Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Vasquez beat away by Buffon, and then Ronaldo. Oh! What oh! Cristiano Ronaldo! Messi to the near post. Messi to the net. Mamma mia! Ronaldo. Ronaldo Kielto now. Here's a Honduran. He'll whip it in back to the far post. Elise. It's a Honduran connection. This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. Here's Glenn Davis. All right, welcome into Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Glenn Davis, your humble host, brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It is DaspitLawAustin.com. You give them a call at 512-865-865. 6710-512-865-6710. They're bilingual. We are streaming at hornfm.com. The podcast of this show can be found at the same place, hornfm.com. Guest tonight, Osasuna midfielder Darko Brasinic, a Serbian. Uh, we will talk to him about La Liga, the fact that Osasuna is currently eighth in the table fighting for European money. But it is uh, also a really interesting club, over 100 years old, fan-owned, and they will play Atletico Club Bilbao in the Copa del Rey semifinals. Barcelona and Real Madrid are uh, the other semifinalists. But big news for Osasuna. Really looking forward to this interview with Darko. Um, we will round out the show tonight with Brett Utley, recently named the Austin FC2 head coach. And Brett has an extensive coaching career. I mean, you name it. He has filled very differing roles here. So he comes into this job uh, fully credentialed. Looking forward to talking to Brett on the importance of this vital piece of the club and uh, having a proper reserve team and providing that bridge between the academy and the first team is going to be huge. There'll be a lot of interfacing. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, Austin FC, got some notes on them. Transfer window madness to the tune of $1 billion in the Premier League. Uh, We'll talk about that. Chelsea, by the way, leading the way in that category. And obviously we'll try to make a little bit of sense out of some of this because um, some of the valuations of players and what's being spent on transfer fees, um, it, it, it just really blows things out of the water uh, for lack of better words. All right. First, let's lead though with something Austin FC fans and all MLS fans are going to be interested in. And that is the FIFA club world cup and the first ever historic entry of the Seattle Sounders of Major League Soccer, who tomorrow morning will play against Al-Ali, the African runner-up from Egypt. Al-Ali won their first game uh, against Auckland from New Zealand. This game is 11.30 Central Time. Now, Seattle, here's the real interesting thing. With a win, would then get Real Madrid in the semifinals, um, potentially. They got a win. If they get there, historic moment to go up against one of the greatest clubs in the history of football and be in a competition uh, and, and not in a friendly match. Uh, this will be a landmark moment for the Sounders and MLS if they can get there against Real Madrid. Um, they do have some new arrivals, by the way. 
Eber, uh, Eber uh, has arrived to the Sounders from New York City FC. Jao Paulo uh, is expected to be back. We'll see uh, how much influence they will have on this game. Flamengo of Brazil will await the winner of Wayad Casablanca from Morocco and Al-Hilal from Saudi Arabia. So FIFA Club World Cup is interesting stuff. Sometimes the Real Madrids of the world take their foot off the pedal, find themselves in more competitive games. So let's see what Seattle can do. Uh, but there is no doubt Brian Schmetzer and Seattle are going to have to get themselves quickly into this tournament and into tournament mode because Al-Ali already has a game under their belt over there, which I think that might favor them slightly. Copa America is going to return to the United States. This will be the perfect dress rehearsal for the World Cup in 2026. Now, it'll also provide us as fans with the opportunity to catch games around the country. There will be, you know, a perfect buzz a couple of years out from when the World Cup will be here. And, of course, all the international stars from South America will be here. Let's hope Lionel Messi's here with Argentina, the World Cup winners. And, yes, this is going to be a great moneymaker. There's no question. Uh, shake your moneymaker. Uh, there's money to be made. It will also provide for countries like the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, who are hosting in 2026, real competition. Because, remember, these three countries will not have to go through a qualification process. So they're always going to be looking uh, for opportunities to get competition in in real tournaments uh, with things at stake. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Austin FC here. Some news and notes. Musajite uh, has been loaned to League One in France. Ajaxio is where he is headed. Uh, don't know how you feel about that, Austin FC fan. We mentioned Brett Utley coming up on the show, named the Austin FC2 head coach. Very important position. Claudio Reyna has resigned. From the uh, technical or sporting director's position, I, uh, Will Brune, former Seattle Sounder and Houston Dynamo, has been in camp preseason with Austin FC. Of course, good signings with Jazzy Zardes, Leo Vassinen, center back, coming in to replace Ruben Gabrielson. Uh, so a lot of really interesting, good things going on. Um, a lot of fitness, obviously, players introducing themselves to each other, like all the MLS teams around the country. Team and culture building, I'm sure, going on. All of these uh, very key, important things when you're trying to lay down a good preseason. And it's a big bar for Austin FC, let's face it. Uh, fantastic season last year. And it's a big bar to live up to. And Josh uh, Wolf made it very clear earlier in the week that they're layering new ideas into the team. Um, they're factoring in new personalities, the qualities and the strengths that these players have sometimes can slightly alter your tactics in how you play. And he said they were adding to what they have. And um, like I said, um, different, different players that bring different qualities can give teams uh, a little different look. There was something really interesting that, that I really thought was tremendous reflection from a coach. Now, remember some of you who are listening to this show tonight, you want a Josh Wolf fire. Um, I always thought we had an incredibly talented young coach here. No question. Um, that was going to need a year to figure things out, to find out who was going to be a part of this program from a roster standpoint. But there were good fundamentals laid down the first year, believe it or not. And the second year it really came to fruition. But he said that he 
for lack of better words, that he probably put too much information on his team. Um, maybe he overcoached it. And he said he backed off in year two. That's a big lesson for any coach, I think. Um, not that I coached an MLS team, but spending, you know, 11 years in, in youth development and running a club, you do learn about how you disseminate information and how much of it people can take and are capable of. And you don't want to overcoach. And I, and I do think we see a lot of that in the youth community. But I thought that was a great self-realization. Austin FC2 was signed on lone winger Emmanuel Johnson from Hibernian in Scotland. Um, and the preseason excitement across the land right now in Major League Soccer. Now back to the $1 billion that has been spent by the Premier League. Um, just to kind of factor this in, remember this. When you sell, all the profit then from your sale is calculated into financial fair play, when you're trying to comply with financial fair play. Um, so it's revenue less cost. Now, when you spread transfer fees, when you hear a transfer fee like for Fernandez of Chelsea, the Argentine, the 22-year-old, that transfer fee of over $100 million gets spread over the years and life of the contract. So that's how they get around uh, some of this stuff, right or wrong. Uh, Deloitte Business Group said a billion was spent by the Premier League in January's transfer window. 37% of that can be attributed to Chelsea. Uh, the Spanish League has come out and said it's over the top. They're trying to certainly provide fiscal responsibility and balance to Spain's La Liga. And by the way, the biggest uh, spender in the January transfer window in Spain, Espanol. UK government uh, has given £2.3 billion pounds to the Ukraine Foundation from the sale of Chelsea uh, from Roman Abramovich. So there's something else uh, to kind of keep an eye on there. I mean, that's really, really interesting uh, information that's been coming out uh, from around the world. So we got Darko Brasinich of Osasuna coming up on the show tonight. We have... Brett Utley coming up. We're going to take a break right now. As we go to break here, quick word here for our presenting sponsor, John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys. Uh, we appreciate John Daspit, DaspitLawAustin.com. You need a personal injury attorney. That's who you go for. Shout out to University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Coach Pete Karinji, retiring after 30-plus years. Plus, you can get the new trucker hat, Soccer Matters, at lamontbrands.com. We're back in a flash. Welcome back to Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, as we roll on here tonight. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, again, a reminder, you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Davis Sock, at Soccer Matters GD. Facebook Soccer Matters, also a place to get more information. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, we uh, are always presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710, 512 512- 865-6710. They are bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, bringing soccer to the airways, but most importantly, 
if you are in any type of accident, car, boat, motorcycle, these are very nervy times. Uh, you do need representation. You need the best. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, personal injury attorneys. They'll take your case, work for you 24-7. Our presenting sponsors of Soccer Matters is DaspitLawAustin.com. All right, let's switch gears. Let's go to La Liga. Osasuna midfielder Darko Brasinich uh, is a player that will be involved this weekend in La Liga, and we had an opportunity to catch up with him. Talk about a, a club with a lot of incredible history and one that is fan-owned and one that has also gotten to the Copa del Rey semifinals. Well, Darko, let me just start it off with this. Just just tell us a little bit about what it's like to play for a club like Osasuna and the family-type atmosphere, the fans, the whole environment uh, in La Liga. Yeah, it's it's a great thing, uh, really. I I uh, wanted to come uh, to Osasuna to to have uh, a little uh, like uh, two or three or uh, four years to to play in the same team with the same players with the same stuff, and I'm really happy here. Uh, I found here uh, I find found the. Uh, uh, here uh, a lot of uh, good persons in in the club in the city uh, we uh, had the remodelation of uh, our stadium now the stadium is is really great the atmosphere is great so uh, I'm really happy in uh, Sasuna and uh, uh, it's fourth year it's my fourth fourth year here, so I am I'm really happy, and my family also. It's very important that the city is very good. My family and uh, my wife and kids are, are really happy here, also. We're talking to Darko Brasinic. Uh He's a midfielder for Osasuna. So you talked about the stadium. It's called the El Sadar Stadium. Holds a a little over twenty three thousand. Tell us about the environment on game day because I've watched some of the Osasuna games on television here in the U.S. And I'm I'm kind of here going, boy. I wish I was in that stadium. Yeah, it's it's uh, really special, uh, especially for us because uh, in every game you you have some uh, bad moments, uh, uh, some mistakes, or uh, you missed uh, some uh, opportunity. But uh, uh, the 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 fans are always there always to to support us so we are really happy with uh, with uh, them and and uh, we only try to to compete every game to to try to win every game and i think that they uh, can see this so uh, even about uh, after some bad games they support us, and uh, we are really happy with with, uh, with them. Darko Brasadic, uh, he is a midfielder for Osasuna, 17 appearances this year, has a goal, scored against Valencia, came off the bench against Atletico Madrid in the 1-0 loss recently. Uh, you guys will be playing uh, an upcoming match on this weekend against Espanyol, your eighth in the La Liga uh, standings. You played in Serbia. You're Serbian. You've represented your country, obviously. We all know here in the United States, Serbia's got a great soccer history. Uh, you played for the legendary Partizan. Tell me a little bit yes. about what it was like to play for that club 
in the Serbian first division where you won the title four times? Yeah, like like a dream uh, for sure because uh, I love Partizan from I don't know uh, from three four years. Uh, also, I when uh, Partizan called me, I was r- really really happy. Uh, I wanted to to go there. So with uh, thirteen years. Uh, like child, I went to to Partizan. So uh, from child, I became a, a man in Partizan. I uh, won uh, titles, uh, cups, uh, play champions, uh, Europe League. So uh, every dream I I I I, I uh, could could uh, live in in Partizan. So it. Uh, uh, Partizan is uh, really special for me. Uh, these days, I uh, watch uh, a basketball uh, club. Uh, in a few days, uh, football club uh, start to to compete uh, again. So, uh, Partizan will uh, be special always for me. Darko Brasinic, midfielder for Osasuna, joining us here. Uh, obviously. Your development, uh, a lot of that credit has to go to Partizan, right? Because you were there as such a young boy. Yes, uh, for sure. I like I said, I I went like child and uh, uh, to Partizan and went from Partizan like like a man uh, with uh, uh, so much experience uh, in football, in life. Uh, with uh, one kid on way, so uh, uh, always I said the partisan it's it's a great part of of my life of uh, of uh, life of my family. So uh, partisan is, is like my home. You know I can uh, go every day uh, to partisan stadium to to partisan uh, basketball club, and uh, I will I will uh, be happy. And they are for sure. I can't let you uh, leave talking about Partizan without talking about what the rivalry is like when you play Red Star Belgrade. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think I, I cannot uh, describe uh, this, uh, uh, especially uh, for us, for Serbians uh, from uh, Partizan School. Uh, to play against uh, some players uh, that you know, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 or 15 years, you play against them uh, when you uh, were a child and after in the first team, it's, it's really special. Uh, about this game, you can talk, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 days before the game, uh, 10 days after, uh, if you lose, it's really complicated. Better you you don't go uh, from from your house uh, a few days. Uh, but uh, after win, it's it's really special because you you feel uh, proud. Uh, you feel like you uh, get excited and happy. Uh, uh, too much people, so. It's it's really nice. I I had luck to 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 win uh, derby to to 
celebrate uh, some title uh, after this derby. So uh, it's really, really special. I, I also had the luck to, to play uh, derby in, uh, in Spain, Betis Sevilla. It's uh, really special also, but uh, for me, it's all, uh, it's more special in, in, in Serbia, of course, because you maybe in Serbia you you have a, a little more uh, tension uh, because every game uh, you have a half part of, of partisan fans and half part of, of Red Star. So it's really, really uh, special. Darko Brasinic is joining us. We're talking about the great club Osasuna in La Liga in Spain. Uh, they've had a great season. Okay, you're in the semifinals of the Copa del Rey on March 1st against Athletic Club. Um, and this is a bit of a Classico too, right? I mean, this is a big achievement yes. for Osasuna. Maybe you can say a few words about that. Yes, we we played the Copa this year like... Uh, we knew that that uh, we can uh, do something, you know, and uh, we played uh, against great teams like Betis uh, and Sevilla, and now we we play against Bilbao. It's a big rivalry uh, against uh, us and Bilbao. So, uh, oof, uh, two games uh, very difficult, uh, very important, and uh, we like I said. We want to to compete every game, so uh, we want to to win and go to final. Uh, Osasuna uh, had one final in had one final in in Copa in this uh, history. So if we uh, can go to to another final, uh, the the special thing for for our generation. Keep an eye on Osasuna. This is a fan-owned club. 1920, it was formed. They're in the Copa del Rey semifinals against Atletico Bilbao. That is considered a Clásico. And the winner gets Barcelona and Real Madrid. So what's it like for my American listeners to play at Real Madrid or to play at a Barcelona in those environments? Uh, for us, it's, it's, it's a great thing because we... We start to to play football for 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 these games. You know, you you want to go to Bernabeu and play against Real Madrid uh, if you can to to win this game. I had lucky also to 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 won some some game on Bernabeu to even to score. So it's it's really great, you know, because uh, you can see sometimes. Uh, uh, you score some goal against uh, another rival in 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 league, and you have uh, five message from mother, wife, and I don't know. But uh, when you when you score uh, against Madrid, it's it's really special. I don't know. You 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 have like uh, I don't know uh, uh, two hundred messages, you know, already. So. Uh, it's really special because the the Barcelona and the Real Madrid, uh, uh, the greatest team in 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 the world. So uh, many fans in in all world uh, uh, can watch uh, that game and imagine when you score against Madrid, uh, 
uh, almost every every continent uh, watching you in in that moment, you know. Yeah, the whole world saw you score against Real Madrid. That's a pretty amazing thing to even think about, right? Yes, yes. Uh, let's go on. Darko uh, Brasovic, Brasovic uh, is a midfielder for Osasuna. So excited that you came on the show tonight. And a big thank you to Hector Castletort of Osasuna, who uh, many people in Houston remember for getting this interview. Um, so it's a historic semifinals. Uh, how much pressure are you feeling? Because you guys are within distance of getting into Europa League or, you know, even possibly the Champions League. Do you feel pressure to get into Europe and, and, and get into those tournaments? Uh, really no, because uh, this success uh, to, to get in the semifinal it's, it's uh, really important. And uh, uh, we did every, uh, everything all without without pressure. We wanted to compete every game and uh, we know that uh, it's some uh, that... Uh, we deserved so uh we will play these two games uh, against bilbao uh like uh, every game until uh, now uh try to win uh try to go to final uh be uh the team that that we are you know a humble uh team uh, very professional players uh with our fans we want to 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 win uh, those games, but we we don't feel any pressure because we know that that we can uh, achieve uh, more. And uh, uh, but only if we we uh, play like like uh, like until now. Last one before I let you go, Darko, and thank you very much uh, for for this interview. We feel very privileged to get you on the show. You guys are, are currently eighth in the table in La Liga. Espanol this weekend. Maybe some thoughts on the game against Espanol, and uh, people in America will be able to watch this game, obviously. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Espanol is, is a great team uh, with great players and uh, great staff. Uh, they signed uh, uh, some players also uh, in, in in January, so uh, they play in their stadium. Uh, obviously, they they want to 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 win, but also we want to win. Uh, like I said, we uh, we go and uh, on every stadium to to try to win. So uh, on Saturday. Uh, we want three points. Uh, we will be ready for for this game, and uh, uh, I think that uh, that we we can win. Darko, thank you very much for coming on the show. A real treat tonight for all of us. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so that was Darko Brasinich. Great interview there with him. I really appreciate him uh, being on. Uh, loved listening to about his time at Partizan and that great rivalry between Partizan and. Uh, Red Star, Belgrade. All right, uh, show is presented, as always, by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They're bilingual, 512-865-6710. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, you get in an accident, you need the best representation you can find, somebody that's going to fight for you and work for you 24-7. That is the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. 
1-0. When we come back, it's Brett Utley, the recently named Austin FC second team coach. We'll do everything player development coming up next on The Horn. To Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. This will be the final segment of the night, but we're going to go out in a big way talking some player development. Before we get to that, though, quick reminder, the show is always presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. They're getting soccer on the radio here in Austin on the Horn. You give them a call at 512-865-6710. Again, it's DaspitLawAustin.com if you want the best in a personal injury attorney. Brett Utley uh, was recently named the Austin FC2 head coach, uh, has an extended background in the game in a variety of positions. He joins us now. Brett, first off, uh, congratulations to you. Thanks a lot, Glenn. It's an honor to be here, and I'm looking forward to to our talk today. Before we got on the air, it was pretty funny because you were talking about us being on a plane ride back from an NCAA College Cup when I think Georgetown won against Virginia. So, uh, again, shows – the uh, mileage you've been covering over your career. Let's just get into this because, you know, your career is a really interesting one. I studied it today. Um, You know, you've been with a number of different organizations, a lot of different capacities. You really have a rounded background in a lot of areas. Just maybe speak to the coaching journey a little bit. Yeah, I've definitely, you know, when I finished playing, I played at Quinnipiac University and then I went on to play a little bit afterwards and coaching was always in my heart and in my and in my blood and I really wanted to do it um, so I took my first steps at Quinnipiac University where I played and then you know through different opportunities progressed to different organizations within the MLS and you know I worked with the Seattle Sounders in a fitness coach capacity and also coaching the U13s in the academy um, and then I went on to work within the Houston Dynamo organization at the time they had that relationship with RGVFC so that's kind of the, the connection that I have to Texas and, and in particular South Texas um, and then, you know, at the conclusion of my third season there, I had an opportunity to join the first team coaching staff with Diego Alonso and Inter Miami. Um, so I was there uh, as well, working under Phil Neville once Diego moved on from the club. And, you know, I've had been able to work and learn under a lot of, you know, top people in the game. And, and I'm really looking forward to kind of bringing all my experiences that I've had over the last seven years or so to, to Austin FC and, and, and more specifically Austin FC, too. So let's go back because you put you, you put out some big names right there. Diego Alonso, what, what was something you might have learned from him? Yeah, it was a lot just to do with, you know, the organization of training sessions, um, you know, how he was managing the club. That was my first experience, you know, working at a first team level. I never had the opportunity as a player to to play at that level. So for me, it was just a learning experience every single day. And, you know, really, that was the, the biggest learning curve, um, you know, throughout the course of my three years with Miami was just being around you know, some people that had a lot of great experiences in the game and just kind of learning as much as I possibly could. And how about Phil Neville? Yeah, you know, Phil offered me, you know, I had a great opportunity with him for two years and I, I served in um, within a player development capacity, working with like the high performing players within the club um, to kind of expedite their development and also working as a video analyst. So I got to see, you know, the realms from different perspectives, which I think you know, as a head coach, you have to, to manage a, a department of people with different backgrounds. And by being able to have the experiences um, and kind of living almost every role inside of a coaching staff, 
um, previously, it kind of helps me have, I think, a better understanding and empathy for all the roles and, and the functions that go into running a successful team. So you're going to, you know, uh, and we're talking to Brett Utley, uh, the new Austin FC uh, second team coach. I guess uh, he'll be playing in MLS next now. Almost every team in Major League Soccer, I think, now has a, a second team. But it's a vital piece, you know. Just kind of tell my listeners how the second team fits in with the first team and then at the bridge to the academy as well. Yeah, I think you said it. You know, the perfect word, I think, is a bridge. It's connecting, you know, uh, with the academy and aligning with the first team. I think anytime you add a team into an organization, our, our whole focus as we started this preseason is really making sure that we're we're spreading out and we're aligning with what the first team is doing from a, a structural process, of, especially from a style of play, and also building relations with the first team staff and, and really connecting with the academy. I think that's a hugely important piece to what we're doing because at the end of the day, we want to be a reference for the academy, and that's the next step for those academy players. Um, and, and the team can serve in the capacity of kind of meeting the needs of each individual, whether you're a first-team player, you're a signed player to MLS Next Pro, or you're an academy player that has some opportunities to train or play games with us. So there's going to be a lot of flexibility you know, within our team, and it's a really exciting time. Brad Utley joining us, uh, Austin FC2, uh, head coach here on uh, the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com. Um, Josh Wolf, Tyson Wall, obviously there, there's going to be a lot of conversations between all of you as you pull in the, the same direction. One thing that I have been really impressed with was, was the entry into the youth community and, and just gradually building this as opposed to coming in and, and really trying to take over. Give me your sense of the connection with the youth community in Austin FC and, and, and the health of it. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece to it. And we need to reach out. We need to be connected to the community. I mean, even in my short time here, I've seen some different youth coaches around the building. And you can definitely see that there's an intention and, you know, consciousness to try to grow those connections because that's, at the end of the day, that's that's a hugely important piece to, you know, to Austin FC and, and reaching out with the community and really kind of spreading the ideas that we have, you know, beyond obviously just soccer. So the second team, obviously, it's it's getting minutes for those that don't get minutes. It's bringing people back from injury. It's um, experience for younger players. You know, what are some of the, the, you know, I know it's all of these types of things. What am I missing here in the importance of this? And how much directive will you get from the top, maybe, from Josh Wolf? I mean, could he come down to a, a training session one day and, and, and say, hey, I need you to plug so-and-so in here, or I need you to, to play somebody here because a lot of the second teams I've observed in Mexico, like when Ricardo Lavolpe was the coach at Atlas, I'd literally see him pull guys off a second team that was on the field next to the first team. Is there any ideas that, that that type of thing will be happening? I mean, there's definitely going to be, I think a key word is integration and alignment. I think that's probably the most important aspect to this because you know, for example, we've had a couple of our assigned guys going down to preseason with the first team and, and have a bit of success um, in terms of getting some goals and assists and just gaining that first team level experience. At the end of the day, that's that's an important piece to their development. Um, I think we all are in the same boat where we want the best for the players to develop um, and really kind of reach their dreams and aspirations and ultimately sign a first team contract. I think that's the goal for, for many people and, you know, throughout the organization. So, I think it's important that we're able to meet the needs of each individual player. It could be, you know, for example, an academy player, maybe their next step is to be a consistent training player with us day in and day out with the second team, or it could be, 
you know, for a second team player, it might be that their next step is to be a consistent training player with the first team. So I think we need to have fluid conversations, which we have been since the first day, um, and always trying to put the players first. He is Brett Utley, Austin FC2, was an assistant in, at Inter-Miami. I'm thinking at these different clubs, you thought saw things done differing ways. Um, you, you, you know, how about the experiences of just seeing how Seattle did it, to seeing how Inter-Miami did it? Maybe touch on that. Yeah, that's been, a, I think, a huge um, learning curve for me as I reflect back on the different experiences that I've had. You said it there, Glenn, everyone does it differently according to the context that they find themselves in. Um, you know, when I was with Seattle, I think that was the second year of the second team at that moment in time. When I was with RGV, it was different because the second team was, you know, four or five hours away from, from the first team being Houston. And then in Miami, it was in the same environment. So as I just reflect, I'm able to utilize those experiences to, you know, to try to, um, you know, really make some recommendations of how we think we can best align this whole process because it's not easy just plopping, you know, 25, 26 new people into an organization and really trying to grow connections and relationships while kind of meeting the needs of the player development focus. So, um, you know, something simple as, for example, training maybe 30 minutes after the first team starts that allows in case there's any player movement with the first team or anyone kind of shows up in the morning with an injury. Now we can have a bit of flexibility to adjust the training teams or um, make sure everything's running as fluid as possible. So it's just those little tidbits from an organizational and um, and, and um, yeah, an organizational and, and communication perspective, I think, can be hugely valuable. And Brett, will the players be near each other? Obviously, that was a unique situation with RGV in Houston being five hours away. That that makes it pretty challenging. I don't think anybody would question that. But will they be close by? Will they be crossing paths organically with the first team guys? And and you know, kind of yeah. keeping all that benefit. Yeah, everyone's going to be training out of St. David's, which is which is fantastic. We're on one field, obviously the first team's on the other side of the other side of the facility, but everything is close by and we can have a lot of interactions and communication so the players, you know, can get to know each other and feel comfortable with obviously our staff with the second team, but also with the first team coaching staff as well. Brett Utley, Austin FC2 head coach. Um is it important for you to have a, you know, I always bring this one up in player development simply because I experienced this and watched this with a lot of Mexican league clubs, but simply, you know, when there's a group of second team players training near and around the first team, you know, all you have to do is kind of glance over there and go, you know, that's kind of where I want to get one day. Um, is are, are little things yeah. like that important to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think even from a staffing perspective, it's an opportunity for MLS next pro that, you know, we can all grow and develop, whether you're an athletic trainer, you're the head coach, you're an assistant coach, you're a player. We all have aspirations to to work, I think, in and live our dreams at the highest level possible. So when you have that carrot of the first team being so so close by, you know, even just standing and watching and, you know, for the first week of training, I was a part of, I got to be a part of the first team training setup, which was a great experience to get to know the players, get to know how, you know, the club operates from the training session perspective, the planning, the interactions with the players, um, the types of drills that they want to do so we can have some continuity between our environment and the first team. So when, you know, for example, if we're running a training drill and there's some similarities between our training and the first team training, when a player transitions from our environment to the first team, that stress that, you know, they can they know a little bit what to anticipate. They know the rules of the games, um, all those little things to kind of set it up where the players can be as comfortable as possible to express their qualities um, and showcase themselves appropriately. And, and I know it's early. Um, some of these questions may be a little bit more difficult now 
and they might be six months or a year down the road, but, but about the game model and the consistency of what you do as to what Josh does with the first team and the club and, you know, the game model, how important is that? Yeah, that's going to, yeah, that's definitely important. I mean, I think, you know, I heard a quote once that the biggest source of individual development be, will be the collectiveness and how the team plays. So I think there needs to be continuity. There needs to be similarities. Um, obviously, you know, in soccer, the, the player qualities are always going to be slightly different, but the essence and the principles, they're going to have to remain the same. Um, and I think right now, you know, one of the, a person that's been helping that alignment in particular has been a guy like Nolan Sheldon, um, kind of helping that alignment between first team, second team, and really kind of helping me truly understand like the language that's being used so I can speak the same language and the players when they're going from one environment to the other, they're not hearing conflicting messages. I think that's very, really, really valuable and important for the players. Um, as well as the staff as we grow and, and really try to help develop the club as, as best as we possibly can. Brett, what's the makeup going to be? Because it is a first-year team. How many kids from the academy? How many signings are going to come from maybe outside the club? Um, you know, give us a little sense of what the makeup will be. Yeah, the makeup will be, you know, we'll have a, a group of signed players for, to MLS Next Pro contracts. We'll have some academy players coming up. Like I said before, there's going to be some fluidity between you know, the, the league offers that opportunity to be flexible and fluid between, you know, the different levels. So I think that's going to be really valuable for us. Um, as well as some first team guys coming down, it could be because they need minutes. It might be maybe someone, as you mentioned earlier, maybe they have an injury and they need to get some kind of rehab minutes, excuse me, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a makeup of really a, a cross between the, the whole organization while the foundation is a group of signed MLS Next Pro players. As you glance below you at the academy, uh, you know, what, what's your sense of what's going on there? It seems very positive from the outside. Yeah, there's obviously been a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes. And, you know, we've had, I think, probably on average about four to five academy players joining us in training, which is awesome to see. And, you know, as I said, I've had a background in academy soccer. I've been with second teams in different environments, and that's a huge passion of mine. And I really want to help as best I possibly can to, to help the next generation of players, specifically in Austin, kind of grow and reach their dreams. So as long as we're, um, you know, constantly growing that relationship, I think it's going to be hugely valuable for, for the players. So how much interaction, you know, on a weekly basis will you have with, with Josh Wolf and Tyson Wall? I would assume it's quite a bit, right? And, and others on your staff. Yeah. How many guys that have big names on your staff? I, you know, I can't get into mentioning every one of them. Yeah, that's constant communication. It's almost, it has to be daily because there's just a lot of player movement. And I think the most important thing when you're in the second team environment is being open and clear with communication about, you know, really about the player movement because there's a lot of moving parts to it. Um, we want to make sure that every player kind of knows where they need to be and feel that value that they're not getting information at the last minute um, so they can prepare for the training session as, as properly as possible. Um, but yeah, the, the communication between, you know, ourselves and, and the first team staff and the academy staff is, is just daily. And I think that's only going to continue to grow and be stronger as time goes on. Where will the second team play its game? Set it uh, out at um, the training facility? Yeah, we're still, we'll be announcing that in the coming weeks. We're still kind of finalizing the venue, but that will be announced, uh, yeah, in the coming weeks. Anything else you want to tell the Austin FC fan base before I let you go? I mean, I know they must be very excited about this, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to watch these games or want to watch these games. Are you going to want to create? Because I'm thinking you may be able to do something a little different in Austin when it comes to having attendance at your second team games. That might be different in other markets. Is that something you want to build up so that 
you know, these guys are, are playing in front of the pressure of, of maybe a couple thousand people. Yeah, I was saying in a previous interview that, you know, I never experienced a live game yet at Q2, but I can tell you when you're watching game live on TV, you can feel the energy and passion right through the television screen, no matter how far you are away. So I think that's a special, um, you know, a, a special aspect of Austin and the fan base. And, you know, I think if we can grow that within our second team environment, that would be absolutely fantastic. You know, it's been a whirlwind of a, a couple of months for me, but I've just really enjoyed the process and I'm really looking forward to continue to grow this and, and constantly learn about the club and, you know, kind of how I can best um, contribute to, to the success of the organization. Well, let's leave you alone. Let's let you get to work and let's catch up maybe six months down the road. And after you've gotten your feet a little wetter over there, but Bob, congratulations to you. You've got a great background in coaching. I, I think a lot of people always are pulling for guys like yourself that have really done a lot of work in the game and, uh, best of luck with Austin FC, too. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Glenn. Have a great day, and, and thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. That's Brett Utley, Austin FC, 2 That wraps it up here tonight. Reminder, you can get the podcast of this show at hornfm.com. Remember, um, you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Davis Sock, at Soccer Matters GD. And until next week, I'm Glenn Davis. Thanks for tuning in to Soccer Matters, presented by the Daspit Law Firm on the Horn.